Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Right. All right. So um, Acts chapter 11 is where we are tonight. Acts 11. We're in a series called Church on Fire, and we're making our way through the book of Acts. And uh, we're learning really simply, if this is your first time with us, we're learning how to be an impactful and long-lasting church. How to be the people of God that make an impact and how to be the people of God that actually hang around a long time. Um, my, my prayer, I, I've been doing uh, student ministry now here at the factory for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in September, which is crazy. Um, you're like, Nate, you don't look old enough to be doing it that long. And I'm like, thank you so much. Actually, we did the game a few weeks ago where I asked how old I was. And I think the oldest one on there was 34. And I heard, I heard somebody say, he's older than 34. <laughs> I heard it with my own ears. Um, I'm not older than 34. Do you guys know? Oh, you play the game so you know how. It doesn't matter. Anyways, um, so... so 10 years, and my prayer for, for students, and the reason why I'm still here, um, because the average youth pastor lasts about a year and a half to two years at most. So that's not even a full freshman to senior graduating class. Um, the reason I'm still here is because I believe that God wants to do a work in young people's life that doesn't just last for high school, but lasts their lifetime. And that as you continue to grow and as you continue to mature and make decisions about your life, that Jesus would remain the center of your life. That it's not just something that happens because it's fun and it's something to do in Vero Beach on a Thursday night. But we believe that actually your life is going to make an impact for a long time. And that's really the heart of what we do here and really the heart of this series. How do we, the church that began 2,000 years ago in an upper room, how are we still living in the residual effects of those people that surrendered their life to Jesus? And how do we, if we look ahead to, to our kids or our kids' kids, our grandkids, and maybe they're at a youth group one day, and how does our life make an impact way after we're sort of the center of attention? You know what I'm saying? Because right now, like, if we're honest, like, your life, your uh, age, you kind of are the center of attention. But then pretty soon, like, I, I felt this, I think, the most heavily when um, my nephew Sid was born. Because um, I'm the oldest, and, I had, like, I was always called the golden child. I was the oldest. Like, everything went my way. Like, I'm just that guy. And if it didn't go my way, like, I, I'm the oldest, so I make it go my way. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. Um, and now Sid is, like, he's going to be, he's the oldest. Like, He's the, he's the first grandkid. He's the first, like, he's the oldest. And, like, now it's his turn. I'm like, I pass the baton. Sid, Nathan, it's your turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're the golden child now. So, like, it, when, you know what I'm saying? Like, when, when the attention is off of you and onto the next generation, what's the impact? What's the legacy that you're leaving? It, what is the, what is, what are you starting to deposit today that it's going to bear fruit? Maybe not now, maybe not today, but in the years to come. Okay, so that's what this series is about, and um, I had a different uh, intro for my message, but I feel like that's good, and here's my message title for tonight, Keys to an Impactful Life. We're talking about impact, we're talking about long-lasting, we're talking about being people that make a difference, so what are the keys to be, to have an impactful life? Now, if you were with us last week, we, were, we met a guy, do you remember who we met last week? The guy's name, he's got two names. Come on, Saul, great job. So Saul, what's the second name? 
Paul. Okay, sweet. You guys are on it. So we met a guy named Saul. Now Saul was a persecutor and a hater of the church. In fact, he was uh, uh, legally going out and arresting and throwing in jail and even killing people that were followers of Jesus. That was his like chief goal in his life was to kill Christians. And then he met Jesus and his life changed. And Jesus was like, hey, buddy, why are you persecuting me? And he he surrendered his life to Jesus, and from that moment, he decides no longer is he going to be a persecutor of the church, but he's actually going to be a person that, that, that uh, promotes and champions the message of the church, and that is that we can have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we, we met him, and now we're going to see sort of the transition from him going from Saul of Tarsus and persecutor of church to really the Paul the Apostle and the one that made such an impact that he did. Because Paul, if you don't know, he's going to become the main character in the book of Acts. And he is responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament. So after the book of Acts, when it goes to Romans, from Romans all the way to Philemon, which is like a lot, which if you don't know the Bible, that didn't hit as hard as I was hoping it would hit. But if you do, like that's a lot of books of the Bible um, Paul wrote. So it's a bit a huge transformation shift has happened. So how did that happen? What 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 made this impact for him? All right, Acts 11 verse 19. I'm going to try sitting again. Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except Jews. Okay, so pause just for a moment. Um the church is doing the Great Commission, and the reason they're doing the Great Commission, which is going to all the world and preach the gospel, uh, Jesus said, you will be a witness of me in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Up until this point, it had stayed in Jerusalem. It, it, they weren't doing what it, they were supposed to be doing. And so persecution came. Like, people start getting arrested, primarily out of, at the hand of Saul. And so now, the, the Great Commission is being fil fulfilled. As a result of persecution. The point in that is sometimes we think the things that are actually coming against us are actually the things that are pushing us towards what God wants to do in and through our life. And so the persecution came. Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, and now the church is being scattered. And as a result of that, um, God has actually opened the door and no longer is it just for the Jew or the Israelites, the people in Israel that were placing, placing faith in Jesus, it's now open to Gentiles. Now Gentiles, if you are unfamiliar with church, um, you probably haven't used the word Gentile recently, um, but the word Gentile basically means non-Jew. Okay, so the Bible from Genesis through Acts chapter 10, the focus is on Jews, Israelites. And then Acts chapter 10, God does something. Through Peter, and through a, a Gentile, uh, uh, what was he? I don't know, it doesn't matter. Um, he was like a good guy, we're told. Doesn't matter, whatever. Through Peter and this guy, the gospel goes to the first group of Gentiles, non-Jews. And they believe in Jesus, they're baptized, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And people are like, whoa. They're like, whoa, okay. Peter like goes back to the church and he's like, hey guys, so... Uh, it's not just for Jews. And they're like, really? And he's like, yeah, um, I preached the gospel. They believed. They were baptized. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit just like us. 
And what God's doing is, is he's, he's expanding the reach of the message of Jesus. Like, let me tell you something. This is really good news. Acts chapter 10 is really good news because we would not be here today as Gentiles in North America with the message of Jesus in our lap and access to relationship with God if it weren't for Acts chapter 10. Okay, so it's a big deal. You, you tracking with me? Okay, so, so Acts chapter 10 happens. It, it's expanding, but notice it says that that's, they, they were still going, and some of them, they were preaching, but they were only speaking to Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, which were Gentiles, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. We remember Barnabas. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over the whole world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, this passage gives us great insight into the time and the intention of being used by God. It was in this period of time and from this church, the church in Antioch, that Saul and Barnabas were sent out and became so influential. So it was from this church in Antioch that Saul and Barnabas were sent out, and then God began to use them in a mighty way. So I want us to see from this text, and we'll look a couple other places, the keys to an impactful church or an impactful life. Number one, you got to be committed to God. Committed to God. And to, to have an impact for the kingdom of God and to make an impact just in general, you have to be committed to God. Notice when Barnabas arrives in Antioch, he encourages the church to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That's what he says. He shows up. He sees, he sees man, the grace of God is here. This is amazing. And then he encourages them. He says, hey, be faithful to God with steadfast purpose. The idea of faithfulness to God with steadfast purpose is literally to cling to the Lord or to hold fast to the Lord. It's not to let go or lose sight of God. There's a tendency when life gets crazy or busy to let go of things in our lives, right? Like when, when, we, when we're busy, when life gets hard, we prioritize or we try to. Like, I got to do this. I've, gotta, I, I, I've got stuff going on. And the problem is when we get busy or overwhelmed, we usually let go of important stuff first and hold on to non-essentials. We have homework, work, church, video games, friends, social media all filling up our day. And we usually drop church and homework before we drop social media and video games. You know what I mean? Like, we're like, okay, well, what do I have to let go of today so I can still do what I want to do? Imagine, like, imagine your life as you're holding all, the, all of the things in your hand. 
Like you've got everything going on. You got your friends, you've got you got church, you got work, you got relationship with God, you got prayer, you've got social media, you've got all the things that you do. And and as your hands fill up and you can't hold everything, what are the things that begin to sort of be dropped? What are the things in our life that we're like, do you know what? Like, I only have so much time in the day and we'll get rid of this thing. We'll drop, and, and, and let me tell you, because I'm guilty of the same thing. We tend to drop the important things to do the things like we want to do. And so, so there's a tendency. And so what he says to be committed to God, to, to be faithful to God with steadfast purpose, it means you can drop everything else, but you're not dropping your relationship with God. You can drop, every, you, you can drop everything else. But as long as your relationship with God remains the center of your life, the center of what you're about, you will continue to make an impact. Committed to him with steadfast purpose. And this is evidenced in Barnabas and Saul's life. In fact, 12 years have passed since we last saw Saul. Okay, so it's only, it's only two chapters in our Bibles. It's chapter 10. There's a little bit of a break. We follow Peter, and I remember the guy, his name's Cornelius. That's who I was looking for. Peter and Cornelius, the gospel goes to the Gentiles. You rewind just a little farther back, and you get to Acts chapter 9 where we meet Saul. So from Acts 9 where we meet Saul to here in Acts 13, 12 years have passed. Now, if... I don't want to spoil it. We'll get to that in a moment. Twelve years have passed. And Saul, where's Saul been? He's been committed to God. Committed to God. He, he's, he, he, at this point, he's a nobody. He is still, Saul has not redeemed his reputation yet. Saul, at this point, for 12 years living in Tarsus, is probably still best known as the one that was consenting to the death of Stephen. He was probably best known for the one that was going to Damascus, breathing murderous threats in order to throw more Christians into prison. That's what Saul was known for, and yet committed to God for those 12 years. What about you? You committed to God? Is he, is he the priority in your life? Are you, can you drop other things in your life and yet you're still holding on to relationship with Jesus? The second thing that is a key to an impactful life is you got to be marked by Christ. You got to be committed to God and you got to be marked by Christ. One of the main things that allows someone to really be used by God is that they're allowing Christ to impact and influence their lives. Now notice how Barnabas was described. He was described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It's pretty simple, but, but powerful qualities. You could break it down like this. He believed in God, faith. He depended upon God, full of the Holy Spirit, and he was honorable. He had a good reputation. Like when, when Barnabas showed up, they're like, man, this guy, he is he's full of faith. What about us? Would that be a description, an adjective that would describe us? Full of faith. For me, I'm just going to be honest with you, no. I'm, I, I, we talked about this in our doubt series. I struggle with doubt. It's something I want to grow in. I want to be somebody that when they look at my life, they say, like, man, he's got big faith. 
What about you? Are you marked by faith? Or are you marked by being dependent upon God? Like, man, this person, I don't know how they keep on getting better, but they keep on getting better. And from my perspective, they seem pretty lousy. And yet because of their dependence on God, God keeps opening doors and giving them opportunity and bringing things into their life. Because it's not about them, it's about God. And he was honorable. He was, he was kind. People liked to be around him. That's one of the things you see about the life of Barnabas is people really liked him. What about you? I know that's like kind of not super spiritual or, or like intellectual. Like do people like being around you? And now, and now I'm, forgive me if you're like one of those people like I, I really would like to have friends and I just feel like a loner and people don't like me. Um, well, well, keep seeking God and keep being friendly. The Bible talks about those that have friends are themselves friendly. Um, so, so just, it's, you won't be alone forever. Keep being friendly and keep showing up here. We're happy that you're here. Even if nobody talks to you, we're happy that you're here. But, but sometimes, sometimes th there's just reality where, where, where we're just not very nice. <laughs> that wasn't Barnabas' case. He was nice. Also, I want you to know something very important here. Verse 26, the second half, it says this. And in Antioch, the church there, the disciples were first called Christians. This is cool. The, the, book, of, the book of Acts is cool because we, we sort of, we enter into the narrative. Like we, we still, we're going to see when we finish the book of Acts that it really ends on a cliffhanger. But the reason is because we're, we're living the book of Acts. It continues on today. But as in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Up until this point, they were called, uh, they were called like apprentices or disciples. Um, they were called of the way. We saw that a few weeks ago, of the way. Um, but here, for the first time in Antioch, the church in Antioch, called Christians. Now, this is cool because of what the idea of Christian means, the reason people called them that. Um, the Christian, it would mean it's two words, Christ, and I mean, our, and it, I don't know the Greek. It doesn't matter. Um, but it really means of the party of Christ. Like, think politics. Like, think like, okay, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Confused. Like, whatever party, like, we find ourselves in. Um, the, the Christian, when, when the people were calling the early church Christians, they were saying that they pledge no allegiance to any other grouping except for that of Christ. That's the idea. Like these followers of Jesus, these Christians, these people, they seem like they have no commitment to anyone else but Christ. Christian. It also carries the idea of, of little Christ. Like when they were calling, and, and some commentators suggest that when the early church was called Christians, it wasn't a positive thing. Like it was actually like they said it almost in a mocking way. Ah, those Christians, those little Christs. Now, you think about that, of what they're being called, is by being called a little Christ means, like, they are behaving and loving and acting and reacting and prioritizing and treating people like Christ would. Like, they're, they're, these people, they're, they're acting, they're just, they're like little Christians. They're like, they're like little Christs. Like, we saw what Jesus was like. We saw how he behaved. And they're like a copy-paste version of him. Which, even if it was a mock, if they were making fun of him, it's a, like, it jokes on them, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of a compliment. To, to call somebody, like, if you were to call, like, man, that guy, he behaves just like Jesus. 
Like, really? Me? <laughs> All of that to say, their life had been marked by Jesus. What about our life? Has our life been marked by Jesus? Like, in other words, like, people look at your life and they can see the imprint. They can see the, the, the sort of the residue, the aftermath of Christ still on your life. Like, they see that that person has spent time with Jesus. That person is like a little Christ. Has your life been marked by him? Okay, last thing. You guys still with me? All right. I feel like, I feel like this is good and helpful. Is it? Okay, cool. I'm, I was really, yesterday I spent the whole day struggling about, like I went home, usually Wednesday I study and I try to be done by like three or four. And I spent the whole day and I left and I told Sean and Matthew, like, I got nothing. And then this morning I felt like, okay, I got something. <laughs> and I've been really excited about this, so I hope it's making sense. Um, last thing, number three, you, you got to be committed, you got to be marked, but then third, you got to be willing to do whatever. Now, this is a cool story because it ends with the people choosing Saul and Barnabas to take a financial gift to the Christians in Judea. Do you notice that? Okay, so we're, it kind of gets lost in a bunch of city names and weird, like, weird names like Agabus, which is a very strange name. So Agabus rolls into town. And he's a prophet, and he gives this word to the church in Antioch, and he says, hey, um, God has shown me that there's going to be a famine in the area of Judea. And so the church in Antioch, they feel impressed upon themselves to take up a financial offering to then give it to the church in Judea so that they can be sustained during this time of crisis. Because the church has always been, the church has always been about helping people. I mean, so much of modern, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like humanitarian work stemmed out of the church. Hospitals, in fact started out of the church. Like the, all of these things that we experience is a result of God doing a work in his people. And so they send uh, uh, this gift and notice that the two people that they choose is Saul and Barnabas. Now, again, you got to follow the progression. Are you guys still with me? All right. Saul was a murderer. <laughs> Saul killed people. Like he killed people. And I know we like kind of romanticize that. We're like, oh, Saul, you... Saul, no, like, but he killed people. And so he gets radically saved, radically saved. And then for 12 years, like, what happened to Saul? I heard he's back in Tarsus, his hometown. 12 years. And then he shows back up to the church. Barnabas is hanging out with them. They're hanging out there for a year. And then this opportunity comes for them to serve the body of Christ. And they're like, hey, I think Saul and Barnabas should take this gift. Now, this is not a glamorous opportunity, right? Like, he's not singing on the worship team. Like, he's not, like, his job, hey, we need you to deliver a package. Let me tell you, like, and the interns can testify. The worst job is having to run to the grocery store and get stuff. Like, to go get the eggs or the shower caps that we had to get. Like, the worst job. So I, in my, at least in my opinion. Worst job. Going to the grocery store. Like, our parents are awesome. Like, your parents are awesome. That, like, go to the grocery store. Anyways, um, Hannah's gone for the next week, and I have to go to the grocery store and just pray for me. Anyways, um, but, like, it's not a glamorous job. Hey, just take this gift to the church in Judea. And they do it. They're willing. They say, yeah, okay, that sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. It wasn't glamorous 
but Saul and Barnabas could see that whatever they could do for the Lord was worth doing. Jesus said it like this, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. They're, they're willing to serve God in any way, and this later opens up more doors for them. Um, in Acts 13, um, and worship team, you guys can come up here. Acts 13, uh, verse 1, if you guys have your Bibles, if you could flip over to Acts chapter 13. Um, but it says this, now there uh, were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, um, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mani, uh, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. There he is again. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, so fast forward another period of time. Saul and Barnabas and a few others are back at the church in Antioch. They did their, they did their food run. They did their, their gift. They went. They brought it back. They're there, and they're just back in the church. They're just committed to God. They're just being marked by God. They're just available to whatever's around. And in this moment, in this worship moment, God speaks and says, hey, separate Saul and Barnabas um, for the work that I have for them to do. And this launches them out into the next portion of the book of Acts, which we follow three missionary journeys for Paul and Paul and Barnabas, and then uh, Paul and Silas, and, and the, we'll, we'll look at those stories. But it launches them in into the great effectiveness that they have for the kingdom of God. But can I tell you, it started with them being willing to do anything for God. Like they become heroes. Paul, Paul is like a big deal for a long time. Writing the Bible. And like, and verses that we have, like, like be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. That, that, that's Paul. Like when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives, like, that's Paul. When he says, like, like, what can separate us from the love of God? Like, that's Paul. He says, when we were more than conquerors, like, that's Paul. Okay, so very impactful for a very long time. But it started with him just being like, hey, I'm available. With what? Oh, you need me to take the, yeah, I got it. Grocery store, I got you. Oh, bring a gift to Judea, I got it. Whatever it was, he was uh, available. All it takes to be used by God is a willingness and a surrender to do whatever he wants you to do. Let me ask you, are you committed? Are you marked? Are you willing and listen, here's the key, and this is, this is all about the long-lasting impact. Are you willing to do those things for a long time? Are you willing to do those things for a long time? Are you willing to be committed to God for a long time? Are you willing to allow him to continue to mark your life for a long time? Are you willing to do whatever, even if it's not glamorous, for God for a long time? Can I tell you that Abraham in the Bible was given a promise from God and he waited 25 years for it to be fulfilled. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years before God spoke to him through the burning bush. David was anointed king and waited 15 years to sit on the throne. Jesus came on the scene and lived in obscurity for 30 years. Saul lived in his hometown for 12 years before he became the great apostle Paul. 
the, the, the story of men and women of faith that were used by God in such a mighty way were people that were committed to God and willing to be committed to God for a long time. It wasn't like a flash in the pan. It wasn't like, hey, here I am. Like, use me. I'm, I'm just awesome and you need me. It was people that were willing to wait on God and allow him to work in their life and transform their life. And even if it wasn't glamorous right away, they were committed to God and they were faithful to God. And God transformed them and God changed them and God used them along the way. I'm not saying that, that it wasn't epic along the way. It was awesome and it was fulfilling. But the Paul that we think about and, and the Saul in Acts chapter 11, they're pretty different people. They were committed. And they, they allowed God to work in their life. Hey, are you committed? Meaning, I, everything in my, I'm juggling so much in my life, but let me tell you, I am not letting go of Jesus. Are you being marked? In other words, people look at your life and they're like, that. like when you leave Thursday night youth, okay, like we send you back out to wherever you go. You know, like you go to dinner afterwards and then you go home or whatever it is you do. Like is, is the, are these moments making an impact? Are they marking our life? Or it was like, oh, that was nice. The song, the song too gave me goosebumps. That was cool. And then it's it, if that's it, like we're gone. Are we allowing God to mark our lives? And then as God gives us opportunity, are we, are we willing to serve him? Just whatever, God, whatever you want me to do. Oh, you want me to invite my friend to youth? Got it. Oh, I need to stick around after and help clean up egg yolk? Got it. I need to come up after youth and vacuum for an hour packing peanuts that got crushed on the floor? Whatever, I got it. I'm available. Oh, you need me to serve in tech? I got it. Oh, you need me to get here early and set up? Oh, I got it. Oh, you need me to just pray for people that don't know Jesus? I got it. Are we willing to just serve him? God, whatever you want me to do, I, whatever it is, I'm, I'm available and I'm willing. Let me tell you, you allow those things to happen, you do those things a long time, you stay faithful in what's little, let me tell you, let me tell you, that is a key to an impactful life. You want to look back at your life and think, I left a legacy. I made an impact. I made a difference. The kingdom of heaven is here now as a result of my life. You want to know how it happened? Is I was committed to him. I was marked by him. I was willing. So God, that is our, our, our cry tonight. We surrender it all. Lord, we're here. God, we're